Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm Joe Masato, joined by Barry Trammell, here to recap the Thunder's 98-90 loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves on Wednesday night. And we're going to talk about a lot more than that because, Barry, it's been a while since we've podcasted. Um, you've been busy with football stuff, really. Our whole, Much of our staff has been. Uh, the Thunder has continued to play some games, and a lot of stuff has happened with the Thunder. So we're going to quickly recap this game um, because I don't have a ton to say about it. But the, the thing that stuck out to me, Barry, 10 points in the first quarter, 10 turnovers in the first quarter, is the worst offensive quarter the Thunder's played all season. Um, their 36 points in the first half tied their lowest scoring first half of the season. Um, congrats to everyone who could guess the other one. That was the game at Memphis where they lost by a record amount. Um and then all of a sudden, this is a game by the fourth quarter. The Thunder came back as they usually do, uh, but the Timberwolves pulled away late. But Barry, let, let's hear let's hear your five takeaways. You don't have to give me five, but I'm I'm tired of giving my five takeaways. I thought it was I uh, uh, thought a good part of the night. The whole dang game reminded me of an AAU game. I didn't think either team the sloppy. Really took care of the ball, even after the first quarter. Now, the Thunder only had, what, seven turnovers the rest of the game. Yeah. The, the Timberwolves sort of sort of took up the banner for bad basketball. Um, you know, Minnesota gets up 20 there midway through the third quarter. And dang, almost gave away the lead by the end of the quarter. They were a haphazard team, I thought. I was... You know, coming in, you know, Minnesota 17 and 20, and I think, you know what? They don't have a bad team. I just thought it was a terrible performance by the Timberwolves. Um, of course, I'm I'm rarely impressed by any team that's got D'Angelo Russell on it, and uh, and Minnesota has uh, D'Angelo. So um, it's also sort of strange. Here we are, January, whatever this is, fifth or sixth, whatever it is, fifth. and it's first chance that uh, the Thunder scene of a division rival, the Timberwolves. Yeah. So um, you know. I they still they was, still haven't played Portland. Well, yeah, there you go. So, um, but uh, elsewhere, I thought um, I thought uh, it's good to see Trey Mann back and Darius Baisley. You know, uh, Baisley had missed I don't know how many games, four or five games in a row, three or four, whatever yeah, it was. Baisley and Mann missed five. Robinson Earl missed four. Gilgis Alexander missed one. All those guys were back tonight. Yeah, and I, you know, when I saw Baisley, I thought, oh, yeah, he'd been playing well when he went out. And um, he did some nice things. He still can't seem to shoot. Uh, but uh, he's back to rebounding and blocking uh, some shots and things. Uh, but I thought Giddy was outstanding again, outside of being a little careless at times with the ball. You know, we 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 jumped on Russell Westbrook low these many years. Uh, I guess it's only fair we jump on Giddy for all his turnovers, but he keeps putting up incredible numbers. I mean, 14 points, 15 rebounds. He made two of four three-pointers tonight. So, 
Um, uh, I liked uh, everything I saw out of Giddy outside of the outside of the turnovers. Uh, I still like Aaron Wiggins the way he's playing, <sighs> but our man Poku, I just I'm getting less and less. I've never, I've never been as low as Poku as I am now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they just. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the way to feel is as far from confident as Poku as possible. Watch him warm up. In warm ups, you see NBA guys make just about every basket. I mean, it's just like automatic. You watch Poku warm up. His like first few shots are air balls before he gets a feel for where the rim is, and it's really? just. <laughs> It's just like yeah. I, I just don't know the the tools are certainly there. The size is intriguing. His vision is is good, but it's just like it's so far away from coming together. Yeah, I'm just I just I just don't know. And he does some things you can use, and some things that you know would be handy to have. But the downside is is so severe. You know, it's there's some comical elements to his game, but those probably don't really work if you're actually on the team. Um, it's probably not good for morale. Uh, it's probably it, some of the things he does is good for fan morale, probably not organizational morale. So, so I don't know. He, I'm, he, I'm, he threw one to like the seventh row tonight, and that followed his yeah. uh, uh, the, yeah, the blown that. dunk from the last game. And you know he had another fall down situation, um, but uh, but we'll see. He's still young, so I'm yeah. not ready to give also, up. Also, we we hold poker to this high standard. He's a 17th pick. A lot of 17th picks don't work out. So that's right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, want to uh, let, one thing I will say. Yeah, yeah. Anthony Edwards, I think, is a ball player. Oh man, um, I, I love Anthony Edwards. Yeah. He's 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 going to be good. The uh, number one overall pick uh, two years ago. It turns out Minnesota had a nice had a nice pick there. I think. Yeah. Um, Carl Anthony Towns was back for the first time in a couple of weeks. Uh, he had seventeen and sixteen tonight. Patrick Beverly, uh, everyone's favorite, had twenty points on five of nine three point shooting. I thought he was the difference. In this one, we touched on the Thunder's lines. Be- because we haven't talked about it, I want to I wanna catch up on some stuff that's happened. Um, let- let's move on a little from this game. You mentioned first Giddy and the stat lines he's put up. He became the youngest player in NBA history to record a triple-double. We haven't talked about that together. How much, I don't know, Russell Westbrook has changed our interpretation of what a triple double means, but like how much weight do you put into that historical mark? Well, I put quite a bit into it. Um, and I don't really care if he actually reaches triple digits. I just, he's always got, he, he, he just, sta- he pads the stat line, or, or it's just not pads it, he stuffs it every night. Like tonight, he didn't get a triple double, but he had six assists to go with fourteen points and fifteen rebounds. Yeah, four offense. He, he's a really good offensive rebounder. He had fifteen. He had fifteen rebounds. So um, he's just doing stuff. Um, he, he, like I said, he's sloppy with the ball, but he's nineteen years old and he just does so much. I think you know the the 
here, here's what I would say about Josh Giddy. To me, about every week, the ceiling raises on Josh Giddy. Um, you know, you, it's one thing to say the sky's the limit. You can say that about a lot of people, but I mean, he just he just keeps getting better and better and looks more and more like a not just an NBA player, but a big time NBA player. Yeah. And it's easy to see what that next step of the ceiling could be, right? Like if he if he he hit two three pointers in the fourth quarter, he had a step back three, he's not a good three point shooter yet. He's shooting like twenty five percent or whatever it is. But like that that's that's like such an obvious thing to see on offense. Like if he becomes even an average three point shooter and teams have to press up on him and respect the shot, think of everything that's gonna open up. He said the same thing tonight and it and it's clear. Well, hey, you know, people say he 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 needs to become a better shooter. Hey, the be- the NBA better hope he doesn't become a great shooter. Yeah. If this guy becomes a great shooter, I mean, I, I'm just saying average. I'm saying av- yeah. if he becomes yeah, an but, average three-point shooter. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying, golly, he's all right. he's a good player if he if he can't hit the backboard. And he he can hit the backboard. So uh, yeah, yeah. I like everything about also, him. Also, we don't we don't talk about his de- defense a ton. There's how is a way it? To go. How is his defense? Is it not great? I think it has gotten better though. I, I think what helps him just naturally is he's six eight. He's and he can take up a lot of space. And and also he's not going to have to guard his his best friend should be Lou Dort because Lou Dort gets to to guard the, those smaller guards. Shea Gilgis Alexander sometimes gets them and. I think you're going to see Josh Giddy hide on some, you know, threes who are limited offensively or fours who are limited offensively who are a little bit slower. So I, I don't think he's going to be exposed as much um, given his versatility there on that defensive end. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I like I like everything I'm seeing there. Okay, let, let, let's move on to another rookie. Is, is Aaron Wiggins, the Thunder has an open roster spot, of which we will uh, explain how that happens soon. Is Aaron Wiggins the next two-way player that's going to be converted into a standard contract? Uh, not at this time. Uh, it's possible uh, that it happens this year, but I think they'll keep that roster spot open um, going into the February 10th trading deadline just to see if they need it, take on a, you know, if, they, if somebody wants to dump somebody onto the Thunder um, for some for some assets of some kind, I think Sam Presti would like that option. So I don't think you'll see so Wiggins getting a an NBA contract anytime in the next month or so. If nothing happens after the deadline, quite possibly. Um, you know, we saw Lou Dort sign one of these deals right at the end of his rookie year, and. Uh, I think the same thing could happen. I think they'd love. Yeah, it was actually before the bubble. It was after the shutdown oh, was before it? the bubble. Okay. That well, there signed. you go. Well, there you go. So I think I think you'd like to see Wiggins stay with the Thunder. He's not. He's clearly a guy that can help you. Um, we talked about this the other night. I think on our last pod a week or two ago about uh, Wiggins and Kenrich Williams have some similarities. I talked mm-hmm. to I uh, talked to Kenrich about it. He. He actually said he couldn't think of any differences. Um, but um, I think Wiggins has 
I think he's a lot like Dort in that I think he's he's made a place for himself pretty quickly. Yeah. And and uh, I don't know what the future is. I don't know if he's going to become Lou Dort and you know become the you know second or third core player on the team. But I do think he's a guy that that the Thunder would like to have around and see see what happens with him. Yeah, the Thunder has found like two second round picks already and. Robinson Earl's been a little quieter than he was at the beginning. But you look at him and Wiggins, and you can project forward, okay, these guys could be rotational guys, glue guys on a good team. So it's like they're they're finding those guys, but they're trying to find the next stars, obviously, to, to see if you know Aaron Wiggins can pair with them or Robinson Earl can pair with them. But to find a guy like Wiggins in the second round, um, he's, you know, I, I mentioned this, I think, to you the other day. People are like, to say now, oh, how did he fall to fifty-five? Like, what, what a steal! I mean, no one, when no one was excited when the Thunder drafted Aaron Wiggins, no one knew what they had, and he's turned into a a really solid player. I think his maturity shows. Being a three-year player at Maryland, he's much better offensively than I thought he would be. He's shooting seventy percent from two-point range. Uh, small sample, I know, but he's he's really efficient and he he tries really hard on defense. So I like the Kenrich Williams comp that you made for him and and I'm with you. I think the roster spot will stay open for now, but I think Wiggins will be that next guy uh, to get a standard contract and then they can sign another two-way player and keep this process rolling. So they've had Deontay Burton, Dort, and Moses Brown. Maybe I'm missing one, but all those were guys on two-way deals that signed a standard contract. Um, One thing, one other thing I like about Wiggins is he appears to be Fairly far along defensively, yeah. You know, he he drew the assignment tonight with Dort out on on um, Anthony Edwards and did a yeah. reasonable. We did a reasonable job on him. Edwards is really good. I like him a lot. But you know, Wiggins wasn't. Wiggins uh, is strong. Like he's yeah, built pretty yeah. well. Yeah. So uh, I think uh, I think he can, and, and he looks he looks more uh, skilled offensively than Dort was at this time. Yeah, a better feel, I ago. would say. Yeah. So, um yeah, so I think he's a, I think he's a player, a guy that can help you. Yeah. For sure. Um okay, I I'm going a little bit in in reverse order, but I wanted to I wanted to talk about this cuz he's being mentioned a ton with uh with national media, the trade deadline coming up and the guy we just compared Wiggins to or the guy that Wiggins could become and that is Kenrich Williams. There the numbers are the numbers are crazy. I've got the on off court numbers pulled up here. So Mike Muscala actually has the best uh, uh the Thunder has the best net rating when Mike Muscala is on the court. The Thunder's uh has a 3.7 net rating. Kenrich Williams is second plus 2.4. Those are the only two guys where when they're on the court the Thunder has a positive net rating. When Kenrich Williams is off the court the Thunder has a minus 13.3 net rating. So it's basically a difference of, you know, 15, 16 points when he's on the court and when he's not on the court. He's just incredibly valuable, and it feels silly to say that guys like Kenrich Williams and Mike Muscala can tank the tank job, but I I don't want to group Muscala in here because his case is different. We've talked about his connection with the Thunder him wanting to stay around, the Thunder wanting to keep him around. But do you think the Thunder has to trade Kenrich Williams at the trade deadline? I don't think they have to. 
I think they'd like to. Do you think they should? I think they should. There's two good reasons to trade Kenrich Williams. One is he's got some value, and you might get a second-round pick. You know, those second-round picks. Or two. Actually, you know, right. And those second-round picks are becoming more valuable um, across the league as as teams are realizing they can use those guys as, in a lot of different ways. You can you can draft a guy out of Europe and, and stash him and, and develop him or whatever. You can take a flyer on an older guy like Wiggins, not invest much in him. Um, you know, a two-way contract deal. Guy, uh, the second-round pick in some ways becoming maybe more popular than a late first. Well, well and think about this, too. Barry, they can be used for trades. Like, I, I know these guys didn't, weren't like game changers, but last year, you know, the Thunder got two second round picks for George Hill. So they could trade two second round picks for a guy like that when they need to. Evan Fournier was had at the trade deadline for two second round picks. So, like, they're, they're more valuable than I think we used to give them credit for. Right. So that's one reason to to attempt a deal. The other thing is he's just getting in the way of, of better lottery picks. That's all Kenrich Williams is doing is he's helping them yeah. compete and occasionally win games, and that's the last thing they really want to do. Yeah. So, and I know, think that's soon- a bigger deal than a second round, than getting a second-round <laughs> pick, honestly. Yeah, well, you're probably right. You're I mean, would you right. rather have better odds at a number one pick or – an extra second round pick, like yeah. Well, I it's mean, a good point. It's a good point. So, um, so yeah, I think they'll try to. I think they'll try to move him, and um, you know, I don't know if it'll be in conjunction with a potential deal where you take on a, a bloated contract and somebody else's mistake. I don't. Um, that could be two separate deals. I think they'd like to make both of those situations maybe maybe it's too much to ask for it to be an all in one in one trade but um but i think i think there there will be some some of that activity on both ends uh, going into the trade deadline yeah yes I, I think so as well um speaking of trades the the trade season is here it started with a bang the thunder acquired Oni from the Utah Jazz, a, a Yale guy, which I was excited about just because, you know, you don't get to write about Yale guys too often. But anyway, um, he's technically still on the team. The Thunder has not actually waived him, but they are going to waive him. Um, but to acquire Mie Oni and a 2028 second-round pick from the Utah Jazz, the Thunder first had to waive somebody because they did not have a roster spot um, for Oni to slide into. So Gabriel Deck was the man who was waived. Um, Oni takes his roster spot. Oni is also going to be waived, and that's how the Thunder has a free roster spot that we have uh, already discussed. Not at all surprised. This is the deal the Thunder... These are the deals the Thunder is most likely to make. Oni's not making a ton of money, but the Jazz wanted to just get off that couple million bucks. They wanted to free up a roster spot. The Thunder says great, we can just eat this number because we've got tons of cap space and we get a second-round pick for free, basically. Um, So expect the Thunder to do those sorts of deals um, as this trade deadline approaches. But, you know, the the bigger news, the bigger takeaway, not that he was an impact player, but Gabriel Deck, um, 
we've talked about this. I've, I never understood the signing from the very, very beginning. Um, 26-year-old Argentinian playing professionally in Spain. They bring him over for the last 10 games last year. Never really saw much. Never really cracked the rotation this year. And his Thunder tenure is over. Um, I don't know, Barry. Not not surprised, but what 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 are you going to remember from the Gabriel Deck era? I'm going to just remember the initial intrigue. Yeah. Um Here's a guy, first of all, I love South Americans. Yeah, you and Sam Presti both. Yeah, I love South Americans in the NBA. Uh, goes back to, uh, oh, uh, Leandro Barbosa. It goes back to uh, not, just, not just Ginobili. He's my favorite NBA player ever, but not just him. But, uh, you know, the big guy for Houston for so long. Um, so I, I like uh, I like South Americans. uh Oh, the old Cleveland Cavalier uh, center played so long with LeBron. Loved him. Verigel. Verigel. Anderson Verigel. So uh, here's a guy, a South American, who's got a nice reputation in the Euro League as a glue guy, as a sort of a do-it-all type, maybe the, the Kenrich Williams of Europe. If, as you, as it were, the Kenrich uh, Williams of Europe—that's <laughs> that's fantastic. And, and he gets over here, and he's just sort of a guy, you know. He, he looks like looks like he jumps about once a month, whether he needs to or not. And, <laughs> you know, doesn't do much, and I just didn't see it. Um, I never saw it. Yeah, I don't think anybody else did either. Um, and so that's what I'll remember. And then I forgot about him, and. And, we, and then you start reporting in the last week or so that there's this website or, the, or this uh, social media account, which is his own communication team, apparently, that's sort of yeah. campaigning to, to get him out of Oklahoma City. And Sam Presti got wind of it and said, you know what, uh, we, can, we can do that. That won't be a problem. So um, that's yeah. it. You know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really understand it. He yeah. does it. Yeah, I can understand. I can understand the intrigue if he was really the Kenrich Williams of Europe, but I don't think he was. After seeing him play, I just I didn't see much there. No, I never saw it, and it's a miss. But it, it's like it didn't hurt the Thunder at all. They 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 signed him. They had to sign someone last year to meet the cap floor. Now I think it would have been a heck of a lot easier to sign somebody already over here because they also dealt with like a long visa process and it took a while to get over. Um, but I mean, it was, it's not like a sunk cost what whatsoever. Um, Gabriel Deck got a nice chunk of change out of it. The, and, and I'm not saying the thunder. I mean, I think the thunder would have made this move and waved him no matter what uh, his official communications team uh, said on Twitter but that just made it so much more bizarre. Like these last few games, as he's not getting any playing time hardly on a team, not only a rebuilding team, but a rebuilding team missing multiple guys due to COVID, that Twitter account started tweeting hashtag free deck, um, which I'm like, okay, well, now he's free and I doubt he's going to have, no offense to Gabriel Deck, he's got a remarkable story, but I'm talking about his communications team. If you want him free, he's now free. I don't think he's going to find a home in the NBA. I would be stunned if he finds anything more than one of these 10-day deals. I would expect him to go back to Spain um, and maybe even play for Madrid again where he was where he was playing. But 
and, and then they tweeted, uh, they, they quote tweeted Woj, like, the, the torture is over. It was just, like, so over the top. Maybe the translation makes it sound even more dramatic. But that was, that's just not something you want, you, you want your representation to be saying. And I actually tried to get a hold of these people to find out, like, how legitimate it is. Like, if they're actually representing him as they uh, say they are. Um, I, I didn't hear back, but it's important to note this because Deck doesn't speak English. We haven't spoken to him all year except for um, his 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 uh, preseason interview. So it's like they're basically speaking for him, and it made it a, a very strange situation. I thought. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's this. I guess it's the kind of thing when you're in the Thunder situation. What the heck's it hurt? Take a flyer. Yeah, you know you're not upset the 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 fourteen or the sixteen thunder. You know you he he's not going to cost you the Western Conference Finals. Let's put it that way. So um, I didn't I didn't see what it could hurt, and we don't know. As you said, it was a mystery when it happened. Maybe there's a backroom deal. Maybe it's future considerations. I don't know. But the the only thing I can think of is if the thunder thought that other teams were interested in him and they knew they had the cap space to sign him and then could maybe flip him in the offseason. And yeah, that just didn't it, happen. Yeah, no, it didn't happen. And so who knows, but um, so you think he's more likely to go back to Spain than he is to latch on somewhere? Oh, yeah. I, I think there's – I can't see him being more than a 10-day guy like – like we we've seen other we we've seen uh, these are going to be great names from last year to remember. But Justin Jackson, Justin Robinson, Charlie Brown Jr. They've all signed ten day contracts with teams lately. I think they're all better NBA players um, than Gabby Deck. So anyway, um, to to wrap up on a on a uh, I, I guess a happier note. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. Mike Wilkes has been afforded a a cool opportunity to step in as the Thunders head coach these last five games. Mark Dagnall is recovering from COVID. Everything I'm hearing, he's doing okay. Um, he'll, he'll be back soon. But um, Dave Bliss also out with COVID. And Dave Bliss, as you'll remember, when Mark Dagnall was – him and his wife were having a kid, Dave Bliss is the one who filled in. Bliss is also out with COVID. So Mike Wilkes uh, has really stepped in here and, you know, I, I think – has done the best as you can with this roster and especially the, the situation. But Barry, a, a, a former Thunder player, um, the, the first black man to coach the Thunder, I know not officially, but those are those are both really cool things. What have you just made of the of Mike Wilkes stepping in these last few games? Well, I mean, he obviously is held in high regard, a long-time guy, you know, been around a long time, was back as a player, you know, in the early days. Um my really only my really only judgment of any of this is just how they sit down for or, or how they do in interviews he's uh he's fairly low key um, you know he, he all these guys are sort of careful acting head coach they don't want to step on the head coach's toes they don't want to be uh they don't want to reveal anything they don't want to come across as you know, auditioning for the job, so they're really careful. Um, I have found him less interesting to talk to than Dave Bliss. 
um, much less than Dagnault. Um, uh, but he does have some he 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 does have some good things to say. So um, I don't think he's mentioned Skittles yet, which is uh, disappointing. <laughs> right, but he's got he's got a you know I mean I, I, as far as his game stuff, he, I mean he looks like the part. I mean he's doing he, he's he's pun- punching all the buttons. So um, the guys aren't taking the days off. You know, just because the head coach is is not in the house uh, tonight, you know they're down twenty and they come roaring back. So I think they're playing for him, and that's in some ways that's all you can ask. Kind of weird to have three three different head coaches in a season. <laughs> yeah, these guys are racking up the losses for Mark Dagnall. Dave Bliss went zero and three, and I think uh, I think Wilkes is what one and four. Is that right? Yeah, I, Th- Thunder's I, actually I, got a pretty good record with Dagnall. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's the problem. Yeah, get rid of Dagnall. Um, I, I don't. I think they ought, I don't think Dagnall ought to get put on put those losses. If he's if he's not coaching, why does he get stuck with the losses? You know, that's, that's just a, the way it goes. Yeah, I think that's bogus myself. Um, <laughs> you know, that, uh, people just do whatever they want to. Really, you know when. When uh, Mike Shashevsky got the bad back in the middle of the ninety five ninety six season, or maybe it's ninety four ninety five. Anyway, one of the the only bad year Duke's had in forty years or eighty years. Um, he misses a chunk of the season, and Duke did not did not put that on his record. They gave it to the whoever was the the poor schmo having to to be the interim coach. Um, so I think they use a lot of ambiguity to their advantage, I think, is what really happens. Mm-hmm. Did you ever talk to Mike Wilkes? Uh, his, his Thunder tenure was brief, but did you ever yeah, talk no, to him as I don't, a player? Not, the, not that I remember. I don't, I don't think I did. Um, Speaking of another former Thunder player that you might not remember because he was from the very first year, you'll remember, Barry, but Malik Rose got a promotion Malik, in the NBA today. I saw head that. Head of G League that. operations. I saw that. I remember when Malik Rose... Um, came in on a trade, and uh, then the next year was doing Thunder TV. Yeah. So, um, you now he Sam always was very high on Malik Rose. Of course, yeah. I go back with Malik well, Rose. And he was in San Antonio, right? Uh, exactly. I go back with Malik Rose even before that. Um, in 1995, OSU's run to the Final Four. Um. OSU and Big Country uh, went against uh, four straight big-time centers. Um, Antonio McDice, he outdueled him. Tim Duncan, Marcus Camby, and then uh, a big Czech uh, center for UCLA, George Zedek. Um, big Country played great, either played them even or better than them. But in the first round, OSU beat Drexel. And big country went against an NBA player even in that game. Malik Rose was the was the star of, of Drexel. So that's where I first laid eyes on, on Malik Rose was twenty seven twenty seven years ago in Baltimore, Maryland. Wow. You've always got cool cool stories to tell, Barry. You uh, that's not I think it's cool that you know the Dragons. I I was I couldn't remember their la- their nickname. Yeah. They played them. They played Drexel played OSU tough, though. I will say that. Um, 
Well, I'm just proud of us because I, I think this is the first podcast in the history of the universe to mention the uh, trio of, let's see, Malik Rose, George Zedek, and Gabrielle Deck. <laughs> Probably so. Probably so. Or one of those is an American. That's I, I also talked about Charlie Brown Jr. So uh, this, is, this has been a great pod. Barry... Thanks for uh, hopping on again, and uh, hopefully we'll get back to more of a regular schedule. But I certainly appreciate it, and thank all of you for listening to the latest episode of the Thunder Buddies podcast. Uh, Tonight was so much fun. The Thunder and the Timberwolves are going to do it again Friday, uh, but relocating to Oklahoma City. So we'll be back with you then.